Berkman, Managing Editor of FEI Daily, and welcome to Balance Sheet, a podcast all about finding balance and inspiration in our professional and personal lives. I'll speak with career coaches, executives, startup founders, and others to learn all about how we can be more present and purposeful at work and at home. In this episode, I spoke with Amy Leschke-Call, Vice President of Performance Acceleration at the Marcus Buckingham Company. Amy collaborates with clients to transform engagement, performance, and leadership development based on the unique culture of each organization. Amy and I talked about how to deal with distractions while working from home, like the stress we're all feeling as we watch the news, and in my case, a six-month-old baby, who you may or may not hear in the background of many of these episodes. We also talked about some of the lessons leaders can take away from managing a remote workforce, along with the tools that can help us be productive and engaged when we need to be. We began our discussion by re-examining what we mean in the first place when we say work-life balance. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Um, I, I think even the term work-life integration might be a little bit outdated, or yeah. it might be a little bit um, aspirational and may not reflect exactly how we all do work. I think there, I think it's just life. You know, I think this notion of, especially today, and not just in the world of COVID-19, but just, just in the way that, that life happens for many of us, not all of us, but for many of us, it's just life. And to have this um, like assertion that there's some differentiation, that there's some clear line between work and life, it's just life. I agree that being you. said, everybody, right? I mean, it's kind of a, it's an interesting thing we, we've glom on. And this is true for so many things in the world of work and life, that we glom on to this hype of terminology. And we lean into that or we absorb that or we kind of embrace those terms and we go, oh, this is, let's use work life. This is a work life thing. But no, this is a life thing. It's just life. This is, this is what we do life and this is what, how people have done life forever. You know, even if you think about the time, um, think 500 years ago, people did work and people did life and it was all the same thing. And, and this differentiation that we've made is, um, I think sometimes false. That being said, people need to figure out their own way. You need to find your own way and be okay with finding your own way. What worked for many people may not work for you. It's been fascinating reading all the articles and LinkedIn posts and Instagram posts and all these things that people are talking about around tips for working from home. And those are all really good, by the way. Like there's some great tips out there. That doesn't mean that that's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. And And we were just talking earlier about being that idea of being flexible with each other. And I think that's more important now than ever. Absolutely. And giving each other the space to do that. And, you know, Livy, you were talking about, is is it a son or a daughter? My son. And what, what did you guys name him? His name's Julian. 
I love that. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, for, for you, <laughs> you know, for you and your and your partner and for Julian, what works for you? And you know, this is people giving you all this parenting advice that you should do this and you should do that and do that. This always works for me. Like the, the best response is, oh, thank you so much. And then ignore it and go on and find your right. own way. <laughs> and I think that <laughs> that's so true for so many things that we do. And especially at work, it's always been true, by the way. It's, it's never, it's this, this time is as different as it is, is also in so many ways is the same as it's always been. We just haven't had the necessity or the urgency to really embrace that and kind of sit and think about how do I show up as my best? Because we've been able to muddle through. You know, we were we were kind of muddling through, and some of us, um, and I say us, the royal us, not necessarily me specifically, but we kind of figured figured it out. And some of us were really great at figuring it out, and a lot of us were just kind of fine. You know, we were fine. We did fine. And I think one of the, and I don't, we need to stop calling this a silver lining because it's not a silver lining. But I think one of the inflection points that this may give each of us as individuals is how is this, how can we give ourselves if you will a little bit of space to find and discover and explore how do we show up at our best every day what does that approach to work look like and i think as leaders how can we as as team leaders and in our world we call it team leaders anyone who provides support guidance and direction to someone else so it may not be um you know it might not be a hierarchical leader in an org chart. It could just be, I'm leading a project team, but how do we provide that space and support and guidance to our folks to find their own inflection points? Right, right. Is a question we ought to be asking. Uh, and, that's, and that's great, because I did want to ask you about that. You know, t- tell me more about that. I want to know some of the lessons that you think leaders can take away from. I should start by saying, so, you know, it's it's March 23rd, 2020. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Um most of us are working from home. And um, so that being said, what are some of the, the lessons that leaders are going to take away from this experience, um, including, you know, finding space to or providing space rather um, for their team members to kind of find their own way um, and and figure out what's going to work best for them, given their family situation, um, the, the, you know, the tools that they have all of that. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a great question and one that I personally have been pondering a lot and leaning into the research that, um, you know, our organization has been doing. My own experiences, quite frankly, as a reluctant team leader, that would be, a, I think would be a great topic for us to talk a little bit about the real world of team leaderiness and what that means and, and how most of us got into our team leader positions. When, when I think about the things that I have learned and the things that, again, we've seen from research and the things I've observed um, just as being a team leader for a long time, and I myself am a reluctant team leader, and if you remove the chaos and the noise of all the common, I'm going to say, business hype out there, about all the things that we're supposed to be doing as, as leaders to help our employees be more productive and to help them perform. A lot of that is simply noise. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff. 
it's a lot of um, complicated, over-engineered, over-processed things that people kind of sort of thought sounded good. But if you distill experiences, like real-life experiences of leaders and of, of team leaders of what they've done, it, it really comes down to three things of what your team members need in order to be productive, in order to perform, in order to be resilient. And, and that is they need continuity and not business continuity. Yes, we all need that for sure. But we need like team continuity. I need to know that things are going to be on a on a path, at least some things are going to be on a path that I can count on. We need constancy. Like some things are going to, again, kind of be the same. What is that through line? And it might be a very small, thin through line, but I need to know that there's a through line that I can count on. And then we need connectedness. Yeah, I need to feel connected to something, someone else. And in the world of work, the way that that happens is through our team leaders, through the person that we rely on and count on most. And normally what we have found in our research is that the thing that, that, that provides that is frequent attention, frequency from our team leaders. And, you know, we hear there's, again, lots of stuff in the business world about people having quarterly connections with their team members. In our research, we found really clearly that this, that frequency is not even close to enough, that weekly frequency is the, the turning point really frequent attention and not I'm super over the top coachy, soft and fluffy. It's just just pay attention to my work. Like see me for my best work. Help me do my best work. And I don't I don't have any data to support this, Olivia. But if I were to uh, kind of take a guess and if I were to take all of the experience that I've had, although this is, we're in new times and I don't think anybody has the experience to really know exactly what's going to work or not going to work. I would say we need to up that frequency. And so if you think about getting attention from your team leader, I'm going to make it up daily, five days a week. Let's take a normal, typical work week for most folks. A really brief touch point of what are your priorities today? Do you need anything from me? And how are you feeling? Like super light touch. And I know that most team leaders, as we've uh, become team leaders, that we've become managers, people leaders, call us whatever you want. Most of us got here really reluctantly. I, as, I, as I work with my clients, one of the things they always say, like I hear this, all, like virtually every client has said this, like, oh, you know, we're so different. We're so special. You know, we, we promoted people who were really good at their positions into being managers or team leaders. We, we promoted people into that job and, you know, we don't have great managers and we shouldn't do that. It's like you're, you don't have much of a choice. Because very few of us are those folks who are naturally going, I want to lead people. Like, this is my thing. Like, I've always dreamed of leading a team. Most of us get there. I mean, in the real world, most of us take team leader jobs, take people manager jobs, because it's our only path to more money and a fancier job title. You're right. You're so right. And and I want to come back to so this. Think, like, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Amy. I was just going to say, I think one thing for all of us, again, to have a heightened awareness of is the fact that most team leaders are reluctant team leaders. 
And that's not a hierarchical thing. You know, there are a lot of CEOs when you talk to them offline and a lot of CFOs in your world, the CHROs or chief operating officers, pick your title or a frontline manager or a director in an organization. They're, when you talk to them offline, they will very readily tell you. And quite frankly, and many times it's like a relief. It's like, oh my gosh, I never really wanted to lead people. I just wanted to do this thing I'm passionate about. I just want, I, I just wanted to be in, you know, I just wanted to do more engineering and more important engineering and more complex engineering. And now all of a sudden I've got this team of 10 people and people are hard. We're variable, we're moody, things happen outside of work. So I think a thing to keep in mind during this time is that that emotional part of work and work is a very emotional thing. Again, we've kind of tried to sanitize it um, and we shouldn't. We need to realize that work is an emotional thing. You think about how no matter where you work, whether it's, it's at your house or at a coffee shop, uh, not so much right now or an office, that you walk in and, and that's an emotional thing. You have this emotional connection to the work that you do. And so people are emotional beings and we get, we get tense, we get scared, and especially right now, and it's hard. Yeah. And as you said, it takes a very certain um, or particular type of person who's really ready and willing to manage lots of different personalities and moods and um, different levels of ambition. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'm not the first to tell you that I have a hard time believing that you're a reluctant team leader, but I want to hear more about, you know, I appreciate your honesty. I want you to tell me a little bit more about kind of that reluctancy for you personally. And I think this is, again, based on my experience and my conversations with thousands and thousands of leaders uh, over the last, I don't know, 25 years, whatever it is that I've been in the work world, probably longer than that now, that most of us are reluctant team leaders. And it's not that we don't take that job seriously. We take it incredibly seriously. But it also weighs on us in terms of how we do that well. I think virtually every team leader, and I'm going to be bold here and say all team leaders understand the responsibility that they have and the importance of the responsibility and job that they have as leading others. Again, it may not even, you may not show up on an org chart even just because you're not an organizational leader. That is, you have people whose things you have to approve doesn't mean that you're not a, a leader of people and others, whether we call that in our world, a dynamic team leader, or could call it an agile team leader, whatever you want to call it. Um, but most of us, you know, you didn't, we don't go to school to be team leaders. We don't go to school to be people managers. And it's a, it's a, it's a hard job. We get it. And yet over the course of, I'm going to say conventional leader development and kind of conventional training things that I, as the person who's, who's designed and developed and delivered a whole bunch of this stuff forever, like it doesn't quite work because we have this, this notion that has been planted in our heads that our job is to tell team members, you know, that they're broken. How do, how do you, um, that to give them feedback, to tell them you've got a gap over here, go work on that. And that has given us as team leaders this sense of what, what our job should be. And I think most of that is wrong. I'm not saying that there's not the occasion when we need to do that. 
But in general, our job as team leaders needs to be, how can we help people show up at their own unique best? I, you, you, I don't know about you. Do you have, do you have direct reports, Olivia? Are you a, I, are you a leader or do you have even from a dynamic perspective? So I'm part of a team. Um, I would say I have, you know, one person who's sort of, um, kind of reports to me. Um, and it's been an interesting thing to, to navigate for sure. Um, and yeah, I'm learning on the fly as I think most people do. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And again, like we read books and we read all these things and we go to classes and, and what we're often taught is, is this notion of, again, telling people that they're, I'm going to be extreme here a little bit and probably a little provocative, but we, most of us have been taught that our job as team leaders is to tell people the four ways that they're broken or the 24 ways that they're broken. And, you know, you have this, you don't show up well, or um, you have this gap, or you need to be more strategic, or you need to be more tactical, or you need to be more this, or you need to be more that. And as human beings, by the time we get into the workforce, and probably way before that, we are who we are, and we're not going to change. So all that effort that we put into as leaders trying to get people to move and shift and be someone who they're not someone who they're not is that emotional burden that we have put on folks to lead teams. And again, remember then remember that most of us are not here because we've chosen this path to be team leaders. We're here because we want to provide more better for our families. And this was the path that was presented to us. And so if we take it and that's, of course we should, and it leaves us in this very, this place of a lot of um, emotional friction of going, well, shoot, you know, now somebody told me I have to go tell this person that they're not great at this or somebody complained about somebody. And I mean, it, it's just kind of the, the, the world of work that we've created. And, and we need to flip that upside down to go, no, my job as a team leader, my job as a manager is to help you do more of your own unique best work. And especially in times like this, we don't need any more, I'm going to say, stress or turmoil or friction. And people, it's a human thing. We just want to be seen. We want to be seen and known for our uniqueness, for our unique best, for in our world, we would call them strengths. Like that's a human thing. See me, know me, love me. That. And that comes through frequency. You know, how do you do that? Well, that sounds great, right? It sounds great. But how do you do that in the real world? The secret sauce is frequency. And as we talked about a minute ago, organizations will make the mistake of saying, well, every quarter is frequent. We'll do, we'll do quarterly check-ins, touch bases, whatever. And that's not enough. Again, our data shows weekly. But in these times, I would say you probably need to do it daily. I don't have data to support that, by the way, the weekly to daily. I have data around the weekly. But I would say up your frequency. Super light touch frequency. What are your priorities? How can I help? How are you feeling? Like just those three questions over and over every single day. It doesn't have to be face-to-face. Clearly, a lot of us are no longer face-to-face, at least not right now. I hope we get back to that. It doesn't have to be even a phone call. It can be a text. It can be inside of a tool that you might have. 
it just just connect and you get that connectedness that continuity that constancy that I talked about it all comes through frequency it's like a metronome you know think about a metronome you know up your frequency and and how can leaders kind of make sure that they're you know with that level of frequency how can they make sure that they're not being you called it over coaching, you know, or, or, you know, micromanaging. Um, how can they make sure that they're not making their employees feel as though maybe they don't trust them? They don't trust that they're doing work right now. Um, cause I think when people are working from home, um, for it to be successful, there has to be a lot of trust on the leader's behalf. Yeah, and a lot of trust in in our employees as well. And it, you know, we're kind of turning the conventional ship totally upside down. We're we're flipping our approach. We need to flip our approach upside down. And words matter, and language matters. And what I have found um, works best, and what what my clients have found works best is using the word priority. I don't need your entire task list. I don't need to know everything you're doing. I don't even need to know when you're doing it. What I need to know or what's helpful for me to know is what are your priorities today? Is there anything I can do to help? And how are you feeling? So just those three questions, the word priority tells me when somebody asks me, so what are your priorities today? Or what's the most important work you need to get done today? Or what's the one thing or the critical few things is some language that, um, that I've used in the past that I, in, I need to give credit where credit is due to a guy named Michael Lindenberger, who's a, one of my favorite authors around productivity, he uses the term critical few. What are your um, critical nows is I think how Michael says it. Like, what are your critical nows? Like, find your words that work. I don't need to know everything. I trust you. But if there's a few things that you might need help on or giving me as a team leader visibility into those one or two things that you need to get done today. So I think that languaging, um, that languaging really helps. You can even say another way to think about that, Olivia, is to say what's urgent for you today. Mm-hmm. I know we've often talked about, again, in the world of business, this matrix of urgency and importance and how we should spend more time on the important thing, which is, again, a really wonderful thought. For most of us, it's about urgency. What's urgent gets done. And so using that word, what's urgent for you today? That's great advice. I think is also in some language. Yeah, some other language that might be helpful for folks to use. Amy, I want to go back to kind of where we started the conversation about balance. Um, You know, a lot of us, especially including me, um, since I I was on maternity leave not so long ago, um, we're accustomed to working from home here or there. Um, Even some of us are used to working um, from home full time. But I think what's different now is that a lot of us are... um, working from home with our spouse, uh, with our children. So at a basic level, how can we stay engaged and focused with so much distraction around us, whether we're a leader or not? Yeah, I think, 
um, in large part, the answer to that, Olivia, is we're not going to. We're, it, it, being able to stay in, you know, I'm, let's call it focus, first of all, um, being, being focused and engaged in this just constant world of change right now. It changes by the hour and it changes um, sometimes even faster than that. So we ought to have reasonable expectations, not only for ourselves, but again, if you're a leader um, for our teams, that we're, we are going to be distracted. Uh, we are going to be scared. We are scared. We, we are fearful and that's okay. So I think having reasonable expectations around what that looks like for each of us is really important. All that being said, we still have work to do. We're, we, the Royal, we are responsible for uh, ensuring that our organizations uh, keep functioning in this time of uncertainty. So I think not adhering to someone else's list of how you should work from home is important. I also think that as as people leaders, as, as team leaders, that having that awareness and that acceptance of there may be a time when people may need to, on a, on a very unscheduled, impromptu, ad hoc basis, need to take a little bit of a break. And, and my team, what we've actually been talking about is, is again, language and words matter is not checking out or not going offline. But um, this may sound a little bit silly to some folks, but we're, we're going to use colors. We're going to say, hey, I'm going to go blue for a little while, which means I need to go take care of something that might be taking care of myself. It might be a family member. It might be you need to go nurse your baby. It might be you need to run to the store for your um, parents or for an elder that's a neighbor or you've got someone in special needs who needs a little bit more attention or quite frankly, maybe you just need a breath. You need to go take a breath. Maybe you need to go outside and take a walk because we're scared. Yeah, I love and that idea. So I'm going to go blue. No questions asked. Like this is a, I doesn't matter why. I'm going to, I'm going to be blue this afternoon. Great. And in, in our world, we're going to use orange <laughs> and we're going to say, Ham, hey, I'm, I'm back. I'm orange. Like I'm good. I'm here. I'm, I so love I think that even idea. It's such a great idea. Simple as that. Yeah. I think even something that simple and creating non-judgmental language to distinguish between those two things and giving ourselves permission as individuals again and as leaders like this is a we need to give everybody permission to take that time i think one of the things again not that there's a silver lining but that i've um and kind of hopeful for is that post crisis if there ever is such a thing but as we come out and out of this current situation and we migrate and kind of evolve into this new world of working because it's not going to go back to how it was that some of the practices that we are now discovering and exploring and designing and inventing as a result of where we are and where the world is that we're going to keep doing them. And this might be, I hope, one of those things where we create a more permissive, a more grown-up work environment. We have work oftentimes feels like, and we've designed these work experiences and these work, uh, I don't really love the word culture, 
where we kind of treat people like second graders. You know, we have to ask for permission for everything. Like, you know, I almost feel like you have to raise your hand and ask if you can go to the bathroom again or raise my hand. Can I take a day off or can I take leave a little early to go do whatever? And maybe coming out of this, this will help us understand that that work is is a grown up thing. It's not an elementary thing. It's not a school thing. We don't need grades. And this is we're grown ups. We should be grown ups and treat each other like grown ups. And that means if you need to take an hour, take an hour. If you need to, you know, go to the dentist, go to the dentist. And it comes back and to trust, a, like we said. Yeah. And w- what builds trust, what builds resilience is the same thing that we just talked about in terms of team leaders, which is frequency. Like frequency, again, we know this from the data. It's really clear. Frequency trumps quality, which is weird. Like it's, it's a weird notion that very light touch, high frequency connections with your team members and with your um, coworkers, especially, but team leaders even more important. Very light touch, high frequency connections with your team members about work trumps everything else. Just do that. What are your priorities? What's the most important work you need to get done? What are your critical nows? However, whatever language you want to pick, how can I help and how are you feeling? And I want to go back to something you said earlier. You know, I'm glad that you pointed this out that, you know, we're all feeling fear um, because I think a lot of people are probably listening to this saying, you know, Olivia, do you think you're the only one distracted because you have a spouse and a child at home with you? You know, I mean, distraction is not just coming from our families right now. It's coming from the news and just the stress that we're all feeling. I mean, that's a huge distraction unto itself. Yeah, and it's not just folks like you who have a small child at home. Um, if Even if you are a normal work-from-homer, like some of us have been working from home for a very long time, and we may not have the you know small children or elders or folks with special needs or spouses or whoever it is at home, it, it doesn't matter. Um, some distractions may be more, I'm going to say, pre- present and physical than others. But we're just as distracted as everybody else is. Um, or I shouldn't say that because that's kind of, I, I think some, some folks probably are more distracted um, and more have almost like, and again, pressing is not even the right word. But we're, we're all in this place of uncertainty. And if we say we're not, I think we're, we're probably, quite frankly, just not paying attention. So we're all in this place of, of wondering and, and have moments some longer than others and where we're going, oh my gosh, like what is going to happen next? Are my kids okay? Are my neighbors okay? I know someone who's been diagnosed with a virus or someone's not feeling well. Do they have the virus? I'm not feeling well. Do I? It's just those, those tapes play in our head and that's, that's going to happen and that is normal. Absolutely. And, and Amy, you talked about some, you know, tips that you had, um, you know, picked up about working from home. I know you've read a lot about that. Um, some are better than others. I want to know some of your favorite apps and technologies and services that are helping us, you know, when we are on with work, if we're 
orange. <laughs> um, you know, how are we able to, what are the tools that we're using or that you recommend to stay productive? I, I think any of the common collaboration text the kind of slacky apps out there are fine. Like I'm not sure there's one that's actually better than the other. Um, we, you know, we use a, a tool, um, our own tool actually internally uh, that helps is, is a fully designed to help team specifically for team leaders, be better team leaders to their team members. And we see folks using that even more frequently now than we have in the past. So I think it's almost in a weird way, like technology agnostic. Of course, technology is absolutely key. One of the things that I would strongly recommend to folks is they are out exploring and figuring out what tool uh, brand name aside that they use is to number one, don't over process. Process is great. I'm in chemical engineer by training. Like I love process and I love data. Don't over process and don't over datafy. Like what are the critical few things? And then kind of like forget everything else because you're never going to get to that anyway. It's the, it's Pareto's rule, which is really more of a rule of thumb, but Pareto's rule says that 20% of our effort gives us 80% of our impact. So you wear 20% of the clothes in your closet 80% of the time. So focus on that 20% because the other 80% of stuff um, is only giving you 20% of your impact. So what are those critical few things? So don't over-process. And then don't over-engineer the application or whatever it is that you happen to be using. So many tools out there try to be everything to everyone. We try to put it all into one application. It's the myth of integration. You need to go by an integrated solution so everything's in the same place. Uh, No, you don't. I think it's more important to pick the right tool that is fit for purpose of what you need to do. Oftentimes when we buy technology and I work in the HR space um, and we're kind of, again, as a whole classic, like we do this all the time. It's like, oh, I want to buy this one piece of software that does everything. And as a result, that one piece of software really does nothing very well. It kind of sort of does everything mediocrely. Is that a word? Um, you know, it does it, it's fine. Like it does it fine. And then inevitably parts of it are actually not very good at all because folks who built it don't understand what they were building for. So I think, again, focus on the critical few things that you need to get done. Don't overbuy. Don't try to overintegrate. And and stay focused on on the one or two things that you actually need to need to get done and happen. That's great advice. I think a lot of people listening are going to appreciate that. Um, this is the last thing that I want to ask you, Amy, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, and I'm asking all of my guests, I want you to tell us about a podcast that you're currently enjoying. Um, especially right now, I think we all need a little bit of break, a break from the news and kind of the doom and gloom. Um, so tell us about something that is, uh, kind of helping you helping to distract you a little bit. Well, I think like a lot of people, um, my distraction right now is actually very current and topical to what's happening in the world. 
Um, I wish I could say differently, like I've been able to disconnect and kind of think about things differently or totally, um, you know, kind of listen to things that don't have to do with the current state of things. But I did listen to a podcast recently that actually my one of my sons recommended to me, and it was amazing. And I'm actually going to listen to it several more times because there was so much good information. It's almost um, kind of almost like a walking meditation podcast, if you will, even though it's not the intense. But Tim Ferriss, who I'm sure most folks are familiar with or have heard of, if you've not read his books and listened to him, but. Uh, Tim Ferriss did a podcast and an interview with Jack Cornfield. And Jack is a meditation guru and not to go, not to be too woo-woo, but it was really helpful. And he had some absolutely worthy nuggets in there about thinking about kind of, I'll say life in general, but that were very apropos to to right now in the time that we are all trying to, as you use such a great word, Olivia, which is navigate. And um, I, I've just found that really helpful and comforting and uh, real world. So I highly recommend that Tim Ferriss uh, conversation with Jack Cornfield. Great. I can't wait to check that out. Um, Amy, I, I think we all need the advice that you've given today, um, right now, especially, but I think what's great about this conversation is that it's also going to be applicable, um, in the future. And it's, I think you've given us a lot to think about, uh, for when, when we do kind of return to normalcy, whenever that is, um, to take a lot of the lessons, uh, that we're learning in this crazy time with us. So I really want to thank you for, for all your insights. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Olivia, and I wish you and your family to stay well, and thank you for doing everything that you're doing, and especially with being a new mom. Um, it's, it's quite the responsibility. It's the biggest joy in life and the biggest responsibility in life and the biggest stressor in life, no doubt, and these times are even more stressful than ever, so I wish you and your family well. Thank you so much, Amy.